Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Marcel Howard, who is a pastor, husband, and father, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. I am super excited today to be speaking with Marcel Howard. He's coming to us from Michigan, and he is a friend of mine and has a lot to say um, about family life, marriage, um, parenting, um, understanding the the complexities um, uh, of, of our times today um, in the midst of everything that has been going on within the United States. We break break down uh, some of these topics and he, we just intertwine a whole lot of other uh, great information and knowledge as well. So I'm, I'm thrilled to to welcome Marcel on the podcast. If you're a new listener, what a great time to join in. And if you're a longtime listener as well, this is going to be a fantastic episode for you just to hear um, yet again another perspective and another, um, another touch point in your spiritual journey. So if if you like this podcast, if you've been tuning in for some time now, if you could leave a iTunes rating and review, or if you can screenshot this episode and share it, um, or share the link with a few friends uh, or on social media, that'll be a great way to spread this message. Well, without further ado, here's my conversation with Marcel. Marcel, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Yeah, indeed, man. Thanks for having me, Tyler, man. Definitely grateful for the work that you've demonstrated in podcasting, but also, man, for your intentionality in having a diversity of voices. Appreciate that. Absolutely. I appreciate you. And so, Marcel, you're, you know, uh, have a lot of things going on, but a few of those yeah. are as a, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. Um, and so just to orient our listeners, um, which I think would be helpful just to uh Tell a little bit more about yourself. I know you're coming from Michigan now, but how you uh, how you found yourself into ministry is always um, a question I love to ask. Yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, so I'm originally from Virginia, and uh, I think I shared that with you uh, maybe two, three years back, right? Uh, originally from Virginia, I attended Liberty University, went there for undergrad and grad. I met my bride at Liberty University. There was uh, this mantra of, uh, ring by spring and I guess I fell into that, that category and you know so she she got a, a, a ring by by spring of our senior year we've been married for 17 years we've got four kids uh, the ages are 17 16 13 actually the 13 year old just turned 14 <laughs> so 14 and 12 yeah and so man we're wow. in the thick of life with with arrows that are growing and yeah. so um this 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 uh this month we're actually celebrating our golden anniversary mm. uh, on august 17th so been married for 17 years uh but a little bit more about me man i spent 12 years in mm -hmm. public education and i was teaching health and physical education during those 12 years i've served in some leadership capacities uh within the school community and that's 12 years at the same school, which, you know, it, as an educator, that's <laughs> that's not common, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's not common. So I'm a bit of a bit of an uh, an anomaly in that in that sense. But 12 years at the same school, um, I was involved in FCA. Mm-hmm. I was involved in some other leadership uh, initiatives as well. And you know how I found myself, you know, landing in ministry. I'll say this uh, early on when I came to know the Lord in 2001. 2001, and um, during that time, um, I knew nothing about discipleship. I knew nothing about how to live the Christian life, mm. and it was neat because when I came to the Lord, uh, God placed men in my life to help disciple me, to help me mm-hmm. uh, grow in my faith, and to to just learn what it what it meant to to be a Christian. You know, mm-hmm. just 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 made a there's a, you know, a huge transformation that took place. And I've got these affections for God that I didn't have before. Mm. And, uh, that, that, that needed to be guided. And so ministry is, is really an outflow of that experience. Yeah. And, uh, even, even when I, when I think back about my time in education, uh, it's neat how God used those experiences to really shape my heart and to prepare me for uh, pastoral ministry. Mm. Um, during that time as well, I was um, just active in my local church. Mm-hmm. And this is while I was in edu- public education, and I was taking on different teaching responsibilities. And it's neat because the more you get into God's Word, and uh, it just has a way of shaping you, informing you, and uh, you know, just landing you in spaces of conviction that you didn't necessarily know that you would have even embraced prior, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, through through that whole process, just to make a long story short, yeah. through that whole process, man, that's that's how I landed in pastoral ministry. Yeah, no, thank you. That's definitely helpful. And I met you in the context we were in um, at the Ron Burton Training Village. Uh, that's this right. Was, so last year in Massachusetts here, and um, I initially saw you in a in a teaching in a discipleship type capacity, and. Um, mm-hmm. And just, I, I know I was really um, impacted by the work that you were doing. And I know a lot of other people just in that area could just feel your presence and um, just Amen. just trusted kind of what, what voice you were, um, you were, you know, just putting forth and how God was using you there. And so just wanted to kind of break down a little bit. I think now as an, as someone who is teaching and raising children um, of mm-hmm. these various ages, I think a lot of our listeners um, are are uh, people who either currently have kids that are in in the midst of this um, kind of the, I guess this uncertain times uh, now and ahead, or people who are aspiring to to uh, to have a family and to to be in a position like yourself. Can you just talk a little bit about how this season has kind of what have been some of the biggest things that you've been focusing on and how um, you're being transformed now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. This season has been a season of transition. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and I, I think you you actually um, you brought up uh, the fact that you know I'm pastoring in Michigan. I'm originally from Virginia, so mm-hmm. we moved to Michigan two years back. Uh, we were, um, you know, we're we're homeschooling people, right? So we moved to to Michigan. We're a black homeschooling family, right? From Virginia, right? Another that's right. another like oddity there but uh, you know (laughs) we moved to uh michigan and um you know it was it was just it was a different space a different lane for us Hmm. um 
you know, we're coming from a from a from a place from a city where it was like seventy thousand folks, and now we're in a city where it's roughly three hundred and fifty thousand folks, right? Um, and we're just south of Detroit, and that's not even accounting for Detroit because mm. Detroit is roughly seven hundred fifty-ish wow. thousand. Yeah. Um, so again, it's been a season of transition, and uh, I, I'll say this. Uh, one of the big things for us has been, you know, just being in a different lane uh, and having pivoted from homeschooling. Huh. Uh, we were we were a homeschooling schooling family previously, and you know, when we when we landed here, finding community was something that we wanted to we wanted to accelerate that process, although it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was something that we just desired, especially as home as a homeschooling family. Yeah. And you know, the challenge for us was to find a find a community that uh, we fit well into and unfortunately that didn't happen and so but the the great thing is that God is still sovereign he's on the throne and there are other opportunities and so we we landed on an opportunity for our kids to attend a private school in the area uh, and this private school is actually connected to um, uh, the seminary that I'm actually attending mm -hmm. so it's it's a it's a it's a neat ordeal. All of my mm. kids are in one spot under the same roof, mm. um, and that's special in and of itself. But yeah, man, the season of transition. Yeah. Season of transition. Yeah. So with so it kind of as soon as coronavirus hit in March, and what, what, what did all, your kids then all move? I guess not move back home, but did they all stay at home for the majority of the day, or were they still taking classes and and uh, and operating out of that school? Yeah, yeah. So uh, schooling, uh, like most most of the nation, it was suspended, right. and so you know we went back to being a homeschooling family, even yeah. though their school uh, offered um, opportunities for them to continue yeah. with learning, which which I'm super grateful for that they were able to continue with learning the learning yeah. process. While there were hurdles and challenges, it wasn't it wasn't completely interrupted, so right. they were able to right. carry that out which is great. Yeah. yeah. So I guess just my question is just thinking of like, as people are transitioning and having their, I guess their kids are at home more, or even just, you know, people, you, just families are closer together in, in the same vicinity. What type, like how has discipleship changed at all? Are you, are there more touch points that you're able to kind of to, to communicate the, uh, I guess in this time, I don't know if you understand what I'm kind of, I'm getting at here, but I feel like there's just an, a great opportunity in some sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'll say this, regardless, regardless of what paradigm you're operating out of, um, you've got to fight it for those touch points. Right. And so for me, um, it's been neat to, um, be in a position to where I've got to be a bit more forthright and a bit more uh, strategic about, you know, uh, communicating with my wife. Hmm. Uh, I've got to be a bit more strategic when it comes down to really carving out time uh, for us as a family mm -hmm. to uh, have family devotions. That's something that we were able to do with homeschooling because the, the, the schedule and just the way that our lives were just kind of, you know, laid out, hmm. it, it allowed for that. But now that we're in a different space, you know, those old routines are just hard to come by, right? right? Especially with 17, 16, 14, and a 12-year-old, yeah. right? Yeah. And so uh, as far as touch points are concerned, yeah, man, I mean, it just you just have to increase your level of intentionality. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then also you, you, you deal with your kids on their turf, right? I'll give you a case in point. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my, my girls, they are, um, <laughs> I've got two girls, two girls and yeah. two boys. And, and they know the way of woman, <laughs> right? And so they are they are young ladies, right? And so a way in which I'm, I'm able to just kind of deal with them on their turf is, you know, man, I'm, I'm involved with, you know, just the different technologies that they've made themselves available to. Um, you know, yeah. we have family group chats, right? Yeah. It probably sounds really corny, but it's like really dope because it gives me an opportunity to really just be involved man, mm-hmm. uh, and to, to open up a line of, commun- of communication. Yeah. And again, to just, you know, deal with, deal with them on their turf. And there are a number of other touch mm-hmm. points, but that's one specifically that, that honestly, that there's been some joy mm-hmm. that's come from that. Totally. Totally. And, and so you kind of, you mentioned, I was wanted to move into a little bit on spiritual disciplines and just how you've been, yeah. um, how you've been really kind of focused on, I guess, engaging your inner and interior life in this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has there been some, some, some disciplines and some practices that have been helpful for you, um, and your family in this time? Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a phrase, um, by a brother who wrote emotionally healthy spirituality. Yep. And his name is not coming to me. Pete Scazzaro. Um, yeah. Yes, Pete Scazzaro. And um, he used a phrase called a slow down spirituality. Hmm. And man, I, I chewed on that when I first arrived in Michigan because there's so much change and transition and uh, there's just a lot of new things. And, uh, you know, we're in just, we're just in a new lane yeah. and it, it just, that just sat with me, right? Slow down your spirituality. So for me, what that, what that looked like was Marcel, don't just read for information, read for application. Yeah. Right. Read for application. And I think we, we, we are prone to do that naturally, but again, like, I think it definitely takes some, some intentionality of, right. you know, working out what James says, right? Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Um, hmm. Another another discipline that um, I've just kind of, you know, just really just kind of been pressed on me has just been prayer. And I, in, in, in throwing that out there, um, you know, your, your prayer life matters, man. Oh my goodness, it matters, right? And, uh, and even for me now, I realize that like the stakes are very high. <laughs> right. <laughs> Regardless of what position that you're in, the stakes are always high as a follower of Jesus. And um, uh, a book that's been helpful for me has been a book on prayer. And I'm trying to think of the brother's name, mm-hmm. but it, the, the the premise was praying through the Psalms, mm-hmm. right? Praying through the Psalms. And the idea behind it is that, you know, you start with whatever today is. And you read through five psalms. And the way that you get through these psalms is that if you start at uh, today is the 7th or the 8th. Today is, so we're recording August this on, on, the, on Thursday, August 6th, correct? All right. So if it's August 6th, uh, you start with Psalm 6. And then you add 30 to it. You go to Psalm 36, another 30, 66. Hmm. And then obviously 96. And then 116, no, 126. There we go. Yeah. And the idea is that, yeah, you're progressively working through the Psalms, but you're also, you're, you're giving content to your Mm. prayers. 
And so that's been that's been huge, man. That's been huge for me. Yeah. Um, the content of my prayers, yeah. um, and, and obviously Psalms does. Psalms is just like if we want to learn how to pray, like pray, pray, read the Psalms. The the Psalms lay bare the human experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There are Psalms that are of, of of joy and praise, and there's Psalms of lament. Hmm. Um, there there are Psalms where the psalmist is like, you know. God help me out with these folks that are out to get me. Drop a drop a rock on their head. Obviously, I don't think we ought to be praying that specifically. <laughs> right, right. But right, it, it's right. dealing with frustration. It's dealing yeah. with the human experience. And yeah. So that's really been a, a a rich resource for me. Yeah. No, thank you. And I actually that's that's it's really timely as well because I've just been getting into the Psalms, and um, I think there's a large percentage that are on lament as well, and really di- absolutely diagnosing that human condition and need to 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 mourn and to have has that been something that has always been i i know just speaking kind of personally hasn't really been part of my my framework of thinking of spirituality um has lament been something that has um but i guess recently especially within the past month or two has been Mm -hmm. um a path that i've been really um kind of leaning in on and i can get to that in a minute but just wanted to hear how that's been part of your uh, your experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I don't want to generalize and say this is the this is the um, the experience for all men. But I know for me, lamenting was something that I placed into the category of being very feminine, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crying is something that I placed in the category of fem- feminism or just femininity. Mm. And so I I didn't realize how how much of a grip of that that thinking had on me uh, and how much I actually needed the gospel to um, just take and deconstruct and reconstruct a right view of what does it mean? What does it look like for for me as a male to mourn? What does it look like for me as a male to lament? Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I get it as a father because my child was going through something that was tragic or traumatic. I could lament that, but to... To have that, um, to have that 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 um, that be kind of a, a part of who I am spiritually. It's just a, yeah. It, so so for me, right. it, it was I I needed some some guidance on how to properly lament. Hmm. I needed some guidance on how to properly mourn, and you know how in, in terms of how we live that out. How do you mourn with those who mourn? and weep with those who weep, right? Uh, I recently, um, there was a gentleman that just passed away. Uh, He didn't die from anything that was COVID related, but he ended up passing away. Um, He had uh, just some other health issues, swollen gallbladder, they couldn't operate on him, he was 85. But it was a gentleman that I had gotten to like build, build with relationally. And man, when I tell you it's the gospel does that because we're coming from two different walks of life, right? Um, yeah. There's, there's our, there's, there was already the, the ethnic um, aspects of our, of our relationship and the cultural as, aspects, right? But then there was, you know, age, season of life, right? Mm. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, it really hit hard because in, uh, this is like the first funeral that I've ever officiated. And uh, yeah. 
I'll say this, either either you you believe what you believe and you embrace that, right? Or in those moments you'll be found to be a fraud. <laughs> right? Either either Jesus is sufficient huh. or you, you or you'll you'll operate as if he's not. Yeah. And so yeah. where I'm going with this is that as far as lamenting is concerned and mourning, um, man, you know, slowing down and thinking about the family in ways that I wouldn't necessarily uh, be prone to slow down, right? Uh, and rather than thinking about the business of officiating the funeral, thinking about the person who's dealing with loss, hmm. thinking about the person who's dealing with grief, hmm. uh, thinking about the person who's bereaved, the family that's bereaved, um, and, and, and really letting like let the gospel saturate not only my heart, but also saturate and permeate that that particular experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I, I know I've went a number of different directions, but you did ask the question. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that was helpful. And I think you named that as guys, I think we have uh, um, a challenge with, I think A, slowing down, which then kind of gets us to see our emotions sometimes or actually even understand kind of where they're coming from and then and b um not necessarily in this order but actually um yeah it's just it's just being present and weeping with those who weep at that time uh it's not going to be a permanent time you know we don't let that given the 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 fact of resurrection we don't we don't live in this death state we're not you know not cynical about it but we can we can stay there right and i think i always think about Think about the Lazarus example, right? Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus, but still stood with him in that time. Certainly. And so, and so I just, and I mentioned this, and I think it's been helpful for me, I think in lieu of, um, I think a lot of the, the tension, the, 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 uh, the, the racial and the ethnic tension that we've been, mm. we've been seeing in our country as well. I actually just finished this book by Mark Vrogep, I believe. It's called Weep, Weep With Me, uh, the mm. Lament as a Path to Racial Reconciliation. Um, and I actually thought it was really helpful to see lament and actually understand somebody else's experience. And I think that is it starts to enter you in, or at least give you a, 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 a kind of, you start to twist the diamond a little bit to see kind of what's going on on the on the other side of that. To, to the, to just to, at least just to kind of step, at least have a, entry point into somebody else's shoes, um, into what they've, uh, what they're going through. I just wanted to, how has your, how have you and your family as, as African-American men and, yeah. and women been, I guess, leaning in or praying through, how have you been managing and kind of navigating this, this time? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting season, right? Because you know, you mentioned the transition, but also we've got uh, just racial, just racial tension within the broader culture, um, but also a jadedness sometimes that tends to present itself within the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's fine because we're all jaded. We all have blind spots in some way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, while I say that's that's fine because we have blind spots, I do think it's necessary that we speak to each other's blind spots, right? Hmm. And and not only 
is it necessarily that we speak to each other's blind spots and speak truth in love, but it's also it's necessary that we realize that we don't know it all and that we should be receptive to others speaking to our blind spots. I give you a case in point yeah. and I'll get back on the beaten track in the beaten path. Right. In marriage, I don't know it all. <laughs> My wife has a genius. Yeah. Uh, she has a, a way of rationalizing um, that, man, I am so grateful for 17 years in. Uh, the first three, four, maybe 10 years <laughs> was not, right? It's difficult for me. Right. And that's not to say that I've, you know, I've landed in a space of just, there's just perfection as it pertains to us understanding one another. No, it's work. Yeah. But man, it's such a glorious work. And I'm, and again, what I'm, what I'm saying is that I'm just grateful that uh, she gets to speak into my life, right? right? She gets to speak to my blind spots. She gets to... Um, uh, help me advance in my conformity to Jesus, mm. right? And so, um, as it pertains to race, the the racial tensions that exist in the U.S., you know, it's kind of interesting. I've heard it explained this way, and I and I and I agree with it. Um, you know, there are those who would they would view America and they would say, America, you know, there's it's just it's perfect. It's there's nothing wrong with America. Um, America has no transgressions, right? And then, you know, there are others with the opposite extreme that would say, America just needs to be undone altogether, right? So you've got these extremes. Hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I tend to stay away from extremes. Um, I think there are honest conversations that we do need to have, right? There, there are some things that we can certainly praise God for in terms of his his grace and just his overall providence to us as Americans, some mm -hmm. of the freedoms that we get to enjoy. And there are things that we need to have honest conversations about uh, and like lament, <laughs> right? And lament. And so uh, being a minority in a majority space, it is mm. hard work bringing that to the table. It's, it's hard work um, saying, hey, guys let's let's consider right mm. um but it's good work it's gospel work um and it's 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 needed work so yeah yeah totally and i yeah I, and i think you, you just you hit it on the head at least what the what i've been thinking how has how has your kids been um i guess where have they been looking because i think as you said um we, could, we we look to a lot of places for our information and kind of how how is this conversation, I guess, going through some your kids and how are they processing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially when you think about the society that we live in, the culture that we live in, and kids have access to so much at the tip of their fingers, right? right, right. And all of my kids have a device of some sort, um, and so you know how how do we how do navigating them through all of the different voices that they're hearing. Um, one, it's always good to uh, carve, at, carve out time and, like, remind them of truth. And that's just, just going to God's work, right? Uh, but then, two, uh, with the ages of my kids, the older kids are more inclined to have, to ask me certain questions, me and their mother, uh, and to have certain types of conversations. And so 
when when that happens, when they're young, right, you, you can just give like a, you know, some type of padded answer and it's just yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. superficial, <laughs> right? It's but a very when, short, short-term fix to a long-term, long-term yeah, yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when your 17-year-old daughter is saying, Dad, I, I, I agree with, like, I agree that black lives do matter, but Dad... I, I went to the organization site, and this is a conversation we have had. I went to the site, and they embraced some interesting things that I don't know if I can fully embrace. Dad, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Right, and so we enter into that conversation. Yeah, and 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 obviously, I want to I want to I want to be honest, but I also want to reason from the scripture. Hmm. Right, so with that particular situation, I say, yeah. Hmm. As a grammatical, like that's a sentence, the grammatical working of it, yes, life does matter. But why? Not because there's something inherently value Hmm. of more value than a black life over a white life or a tan life or not so tan life. No, it's because of Imago Dei. It's because we're we're Hmm. created in the image of God. Hmm. And yes, we can can affirm that a, a black life matters, a brown life matters. We can affirm that. However, we ought to, you know, there should be some tension <laughs> when you yeah. think about uh, the other side of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so in those conversations, when we're able to enter into them, really, man, it's, it's you're, you're developing, you're helping to shape and develop a worldview, mm-hmm. right? And so in that, I also know that, like, I don't want to spew dad's position, but I just want to, hey, let's reason from scripture, right? right? Let's reason from scripture. And I believe that the Lord is is capable in, um, I use the phrase, deconstructing and reconstructing. Yeah. Uh, he's capable yeah. of doing that. The gospel does that, right? So, Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, and I, I think one thing that I've been hearing from you is turning something into a conversation too, because that provides additional yeah. co- that provides that context that you really need, right? Absolutely. Um, text without pretext is kind, con- or sorry, text without context is pretext rather, and mm. so, and so I think that's yeah. helpful. I mean, sometimes you do need the statements, but uh, they don't always push push something in a positive path forward, and so. Um, Absolutely. I wanted to, so we've been doing a little bit, so this Guys Like Us podcast, we've uh, kind of taken uh, an additional topical, topical focus this summer, and so kind of looking at some different some different places, and one thing we actually just, uh, or by the time this episode will, will launch, we'll, this will be the week or two prior, is on is on dating and marriage, and you've, you've hinted at it a little bit, and so two, yeah. two books that we've ref- referenced are Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas, and then uh, The Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler. Um, yeah. And so one thing that we that we were talking about in marriage, or that Matt Chandler talks about, is this courtship stage. And so this, kind of this, you're getting more serious, sorry, in dating, in dating. So you're getting more serious. Um, is there anything with your marriage and kind of on who you've counseled for people who are at this stage in particular, maybe you know, starting to see somebody can see some fruit in this good endeavor um, that might be worth affirming. Kind of, what are some signs that that uh, that you're on the right path forward? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we moved to Michigan, uh, you know, on this side of on, on, on this side of my story in Michigan, that was the first time I've done I've officiated a funeral. But yeah. prior to moving to Michigan was the first time I actually officiated a, a wedding, right. which was pretty cool, uh, and did some premarital counseling as well. And uh, one of the things that I, I stressed during our time with that couple who's still married and, and they're, they're loving Jesus, loving one another, and they're just rocking life, man, rocking all that comes with life. And um, so one of the things that I stressed was uh, when, when you get into a phase of like, okay, courtship, right? Because the dating is a little different from courtship. Things are starting to, things are starting to get a little serious, right? right. Um, <clears throat> what do the conversations look like? Like what type of conversations are you having with the person's parents? Right. Hmm. Um, are you being transparent about, Hey, what are your intentions? Hmm. Right. Um, with said potential spouse. (laughs) Uh, and, and then along with that, um, slow down in that stage and really observe that person's commitments. Like, so what are they committed to? Uh, are they committed to, um, the local church? Uh, are they someone who's submitted to leadership, not only in the local church, but also, man, if they're working a job, what is what, what does that look like on their job? Are they arrogant and prideful on their job? Right. Or are they, you know, individuals that can be approached, right? right? right. Um, and then also, you know, is this a person that's committed to discipleship? Um, hmm. Does this person have a love for Jesus that's evidenced in their character? And so those are some of the um, kind of some of the items I think that if you're in that courtship uh, phase, obviously you want to make sure that you bring that into whatever dating relationship that you're in. But you really want to start to kind of dig, press a little bit and, uh, you know, dig a little deeper on those types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, because who you matter, who you you marry matters. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Who you marry matters. And, uh, And those things are important. Those things are definitely important. No, 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 super helpful. And I think the, and so it's, I mean, such a, such a big topic. And so by no means are we going to, um, to dwindle your, your career down to, to one, one, one question or answer, but yeah, you know, it's, it's super helpful. And, um, and so kind of looking, kind of taking that next step into marriage, um, Mm. I guess for people who are in marriage right now, and I think understanding the time that we're in, how and I feel like proximity can sometimes bring out some kind of some deeper things or deeper parts of you, good or both good and bad. And yeah. so, um, what has been helpful in navigating some of these tensions that are kind of coming to the surface now, but have or rather just kind of boiling at the surface now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, what's been helpful. So my, my wife, I think I shared with you, yeah. if I didn't, here's the story. My wife is from Cote d'Ivoire and, um, yeah, she, she, you know, our kids are truly African Americans <laughs> in the sense, right? They're truly African Americans yeah. because I'm from America. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. my wife is from Cote d'Ivoire. And so there was a, a cultural, um, kind of a cultural barrier. Yeah. So not a language, but just a cultural barrier. Right. Even though she'd been in the States for a number of years, but there, there was still a cultural barrier, right? And one of the one of the things that was kind of glaring, even as 
you know, four kids into a marriage was the fact that, um, you know, man, our, our styles of communication are just different, right? Our styles of communication are different. Um, one, one day my, my wife asked me, you know, for, for mm. your 39th, 39th birthday, what, what could I get you for your birthday? And I just, you know, I said, well, I think I was turning 38. Yeah. And I said, um, maybe some counseling, right? And she's like, my wife is the opposite of me, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> totally the opposite. Yeah. I would have received that. It would have gone in one ear and out the other. She, she received it and she got to work, man. And so yeah. uh, on my 39th birthday, she gifted like some counseling to me. Right. And, and I'm going somewhere with the story. So I had an opportunity to interview these counselors just to kind of, I wanted to make sure they were working from a, a paradigm that I felt comfortable with. Yeah. And, you know, counseling was something that I always felt other people need that, but certainly not me, right? Uh, it's a good thing. Hmm. It's hmm. kind of like vegetables, right? Vegetables <laughs> are good, <laughs> but uh, don't put that with my, don't put that with my steak, right? right. And so... Um, man, I had an opportunity to just spend time unpacking stuff that I suppressed that I didn't quite realize that I actually suppressed these things. Uh, we spent a lot of time just pressing into like, everybody has a, a a narrative, a story that they tell themselves, right? So whenever you're, you're experiencing conflict, um, you're de- you're determining whether or not the person that you're experiencing whatever conflict with, you're determining whether or not that person is a villain, right? right. <laughs> and right. so, so much of my way of operating, particularly with conflict, has been like I villainize people, and I didn't really know that I did that. I thought I was a nice guy, <laughs> right? Man. And so here's where I'm going with this. Okay. When, I, when you villainize people, you, you humanize people. And all, basically what I'm trying to say is that I, I didn't necessarily know that I needed to grow there, hmm. right? Um, and so your your original question was with marriage, like what, what are some, I guess, how, how, be, how, how have we been working at growing, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you actually phrased it that way, but... Um, that's just an area, man, that I've been hmm. just hard at work with, just, you know, with, you know, as far as the, the overall narrative that I'm telling myself, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm repeating to myself, right. uh, that I'm living out of whenever I'm experiencing life. Right. And it's interesting because it affects how I parent, it affects how I shepherd, it affects how I, it affects my marriage. It affects everything, the narrative that, that we're telling ourselves. And uh, if there's any narrative that we need to be reminded of, creation, fall, redemption, um, restoration, right? consummation, glorification, we need to tell ourselves that narrative hmm. uh, because therein lies the, the wonderful good news, right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's that's I know I went long way around but i tend to do that man yeah i was gonna say <laughs> yeah, i think yeah. that's that's part of your dna so uh um, absolutely yes sir um so just kind of as we're yeah as we're winding down this has been really helpful for me um and i'm sure for listeners as well and so um i guess as some of the one thing i always kind of i'm trying to remind myself about 
is what are some of the things I'm learning right now that I don't want to forget um, in, you know, six months or next year. And so kind of looking post coronavirus, or I guess after we kind of get to the other side, if there is ever another side, um, or kind of fully another side, you know, on this side of eternity with the ripple effects that this is going to have, what are some things that we can be persistent about? And um, I guess just be really intentional about, um, I guess, yeah, some some teachings, some learnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so right now, my my our lead guy is working through um, James, and that's yeah. you know, Proverbs of the New Testament, right? Right. Uh, packed with wisdom, and there's there's a, a section in James chapter three. Um, it says this. I read. 13 through 18, it says, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual and demonic Hmm. for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, Hmm. there will be disorder in every vile practice Hmm. so here's here's where it weighs heavy for me verse 17 and 18 but the wisdom from above it is pure then peaceable it's gentle man Hmm. (laughs) it's weighing on me it's open to reason right Hmm. um it's full of mercy and good fruits it's impartial and sincere and then verse 18 says a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So to answer your question, yeah. I want to be I want to be the type of person, man, that uh, that's growing in what it what it looks like and what it means to make peace. And this hmm. is peace that is a, a yeah. byproduct of, of of the gospel of Jesus, right? right? right. Um, so I want to grow in that, and so yeah. that's hopefully a teaching that can take over and be persistent in. Uh, into next year totally absolutely um marshall it's been it's really been a gift um and an honor to have you on today and so just any is there any resources um kind of on some of the the touch points and the talking points that we hit on today um that if if listeners are interested and kind of want to do a little bit more investigating a little bit more reading themselves you'd recommend absolutely absolutely so um I'm, I'm not in my office, and because if I were in my office, I'd be like, "This book, is this that <laughs> book in there." <laughs> yep, hey, yep, you yep. get a book, and you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, I'll run through maybe four books that have been like really helpful for me in the season that I'm in. First book is uh, "The Valley of Visions." Um, that's a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. Um, I don't, I don't rock with everything that the Puritans, that's, you know, that's Puritanesque, but, and I'm grateful for this collection of prayers, this collection of devotions that challenge me and press me to go deeper, go deeper, right? And um, another book I'd recommend would be uh, Praying Through the Bible for Your Kids by Nancy Guthrie. And that's uh, just a daily devotional that I've incorporated into my life. And Mm -hmm. um, it's helpful because it, you know, at the end of the devotion, you know, it gives you content like to pray for yeah. uh, pertaining to your kids. Uh, three more books. When People Are Big and God Is Small by Edward Welch. That's been super helpful. Mm. Um, and then 
these these other books are, you know, for those who are in some type of leadership capacity or in pastoral ministry, Leading with Love by Alexander Strupp. Uh, hmm. Another one is The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, and that's very helpful. Here's a sixth one, and I know I said five, but Creation Regained. Creation Regained has been rocking me. That's by Albert Walters, and uh, that's been rocking me, man. So hmm. thinking through the meta narrative of creation for redemption, reconciliation, uh, not reconciliation, but uh, glorification, and thinking through just what the implications are to that, right? And so when we think about politics, rather than like saying, okay, politics are awful, no, engage it for Jesus, right? When we think about the arts, the arts are all, no, engage the arts for Jesus because mm -hmm. it belongs to him. Yeah. Podcasting, engage podcasting for Jesus, and I'll digress there. Awesome. All right, Marshall. Well, thank you. Um, and just appreciate your time and uh, look forward to, to speaking again soon. Indeed, indeed. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on.